Warning, in the external scheme of things, shining moments are as brief as the twinkling of an eye, yet such twinklings are what eternity is made of. Moments when human beings can say, I love you, I'm proud of you, I forgive you, I'm grateful for you. That's what eternity is made of. Invisible, imperishable, good stuff. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's the Seriously Wrong Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Sean. And today we're talking about Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers. Fred Rogers, yeah. Fred McFeely Rogers. Children's entertainer and perfect saint. Yeah. Greatest American poet and philosopher. So few people you can, like, really dig into. Like, there's no skeletons in that closet that he takes that sweater out of every time when he gets home. (laughs) <laughs> to the show in the neighborhood. He was just a perfect angel. He was just <laughs> too perfect an angel. He really was. It, like, it sounds like silly, but he, he was. He testified in Congress to get funding for PBS. He he taught Congress people about public broadcasting and the benefits to children and just convinced them with the power of his words to increase funding for children's entertainment. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. Well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in our kind of communication. <clears throat> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> he also advocated on behalf of mild piracy uh, when VCR manufacturers were being challenged like the idea was that people taping their TV was piracy. Right. Because uh, they, because then they don't have to tune into the network. And they can fast forward through commercials. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he testified that they, that he thought it was a good thing that children could watch TV shows that they missed. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty <laughs> fucking sick. Uh, there's also an asteroid named after him. Oh, really? Yeah. It's called 268588 Mr. Rogers. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I've always kind of, I've always liked Mr. Rogers. When I was in a band after high school, we actually included some clips of Mr. Rogers speaking in a a song that we did. Um, So yeah, I don't know. He's always been like a part of the periphery of my, my worldview, like just a good guy. But like now going back and breeding a bunch of stuff from him, also surprisingly a lot of depth, like maybe like, Maybe not surprisingly, but it surprised me some of the things that I read there. And it it was delightful to revisit his thought. I've got a little bit of a history with Mr. Rogers in that I animated The Ultimate Showdown, which is like a viral internet cartoon where all the different pop culture figures fight each other. And then the winner at the end is Mr. Rogers. And it's ironic because he's such a nice, positive figure. He would never win a fight to the death with thousands of thousands of people. Right. But then also similarly going into his interviews, the philosophy underpinning his work, it's really impressive and cool. And like, I think he should be part of the canon. He's part of the progressive canon. Yeah. Because he did work specifically directed at children. I think a lot of people assume that there's not a lot of value there for adults, but I think those people making those assumptions would be incorrect. And now back to Seriously Wrong. Sometimes people are right, and they feel that all is light. But the very same people who are right sometimes are the very same people who are wrong sometimes. It's funny, but it's true. It's the same thing for you.
Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he has been on the air, radio and television, for the whole history of the broadcasting medium. He was on the first radio station in the world, KDKA in Pittsburgh, with a show called The Children's Hour, which developed into Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So Mr. Rogers has been speaking to the hearts and spirits of children since the beginning of radio broadcasting, since the minute there was anything on the air anywhere in the world. One summer, I had the privilege and the honor to work on the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show, and I mostly just helped set up the, the props and the set, and, but I got to talk to him quite a bit, Mr. Rogers, and I asked him one day why he talked the way he did and, and what his approach was, and he told me that his intention was to reach children as young as possible. As soon as they began to understand, not just words, but even just the vibration or the energy of words or communication or sounds. So he could lay a foundation that would assist them later on in life of spiritual principle, values which he constantly on his show expresses, values of cooperation, love, caring, fairness, mutuality, trust, openness, spontaneity, union of unity of integration and balance, so that they would have a sense of these as they go off into the world and start getting programmed and conditioned by their parents, by the culture, by preschool. So he is reaching toward the youngest kids at the earliest age that they can start to enjoy him. So yeah, Mr. Rogers. He's just so calm and he knows what's going on and he's nice. And as an audience member, he's kind of striving for he's aiming for something that's that's it's a really high level like human experience which is like that one-to-one interaction when he addresses the camera he's trying to have a one-to-one interaction with every individual and redeem them and tell them that they're beautiful and perfect and worthy that they can do good and be good and life is worth living it i mean he, he doesn't say those things but like that's that's how he makes you feel about the world yeah that's the universe that he puts before you with the, the implications here's a gift this is a quote from mr rogers uh, here's a gift you might not have expected it's a gift for you to give yourself sometime in your day today try to turn off all the noises you can around you and give yourself some quiet time in the silence let yourself think about something or if possible think about nothing most of us have so few moments like that in our lives there's noise everywhere there are some places we can't even escape it television and radio are probably the worst culprits they are very seductive it's so tempting for some people to turn on the television set or radio when they first walk into a room or get into a car to fill any space with noise i wonder what some people are afraid might happen in the silence some of us must have forgotten how nourishing silence can be. Yeah, it's inter- this is an area where I slight disagreement with him or like I feel some tension between what he's saying and what I'm saying. In the least charitable reading, there's a bit of a technophobic undercurrent to it. Like these TVs and radios are keeping mm-hmm, us mm-hmm. from... In the Charlie Rose interview, he talks about this same kind of idea. And he mentions that people today are so obsessed with information and that they don't take enough time for the silence. And that kind of triggered a bit of a like allergy for me because I'm like, oh, no, infophilia is good. People should want more information. Information is good. But I think what he's talking about is not that information is bad, but that there's so much of it available. You can just constantly be streamed into something. And it's not bad that there's constant streams that exist, but it's important to also have this. I think if we were living in a society that was completely information starved, he would be talking about how important it is to read the newspaper, whatever. But in a society that's so information dense, he's saying it's important to take moments away from it because that's when you integrate. That's when you, he talks about inner turbulence settling and that the quiet moments in the midst of life give the rest extra special meaning. That's like a jazz ideology there. It's about (laughs) the silence giving more significance or or being part of the the music yeah he's just seeing a song that's like da 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 and he's like no you gotta be like da 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 there's gotta be little pauses in there and, and this guy knows music he wrote hundreds of songs yeah yeah he definitely wrote hundreds wrote of and songs. performed <laughs> for thousands of children probably hundreds of thousands probably millions yeah let's do this one i like this 
if I'm sad about something and I dismiss my sadness by saying, oh, well, it was for the best, then I'm probably not willing or able to actually explore how I'm feeling. If I'm angry with someone and I say, oh, it doesn't matter, I don't care, then I probably don't know what I'm really feeling. On the other hand, if we can allow ourselves to be gentle with ourselves, no matter what our feelings might be, we have the chance of discovering the very deep roots of who we are. That's interesting, the phrase being gentle with yourself. Yeah, it stuck out to me too. That's one of the trademark characteristics of Mr. Rogers is a fundamental gentleness yes. that, that comes through in, in what he does and says. So how, how do you be gentle to yourself? I think for a lot of people, when you feel sad about something or you feel angry about something, your immediate reaction is not just the sadness or the anger. It's the, oh, this is bad. It's bad that I feel sad and angry and I want to get rid of it. So you're trying to dismiss it uh, or you just feel anxious that it's there as well as the sadness or the anger. But if you can accept that part of yourself that you get angry or that you get sad and that that's okay and like have that kind of gentleness with yourself, then you, the phrase he used was discover the deep roots of who you are. And when he says something like the deep roots of who you are, that's a euphemism for the Mr. Rogers ideal superhuman that lies within <laughs> all of us, the gentle, tender, younger, innocent version of ourself with, with all the wisdom of adulthood, but all of the openness and joyfulness and kindness of an innocent child, this perfect ideal Christ that we can all be. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I almost think of it as the opposite or not the opposite here. An another quote from him on, in the same area is he says, I must be an emotional archeologist because I keep looking for the roots of things, particularly the roots of behaviors and why I feel certain ways about certain things. And so he's saying like, if you examine your emotions, like maybe you figure out that you get mad when your partner does X thing, because it reminds you of something that your mom did when she got mad at you at certain times. And like, it's created this situation for you. And that that's why you're feeling mad. So if mm -hmm. you can be gentle with yourself and let yourself feel mad, and then also explore the deep roots of who you are, go back to like your childhood or like ask yourself what's going on. Like, why am I feeling mad? So you're kind of, of just opposite in the way that it's not some unaccountable, impossible, hypothetical idea. When he's talking about the deep roots of who you are, he's talking about like the dirt and mud of the experience that brought you from being born to yeah. the present. Yeah, yeah. I like that interpretation better because at first, the reason I spoke up about it is it triggered an allergy in me oh. where I was like, he's just this roots, this deep version of yourself right, is like right, some... Right. It feels like euphemism to me, like a hippie euphemism. But then when you explain it, it's like, oh, actually, Mr. Rogers was a perfect genius the whole time. And it was <laughs> me who was wrong, which is something that people who try to argue with Mr. Rogers probably experience a lot. Yeah, because far from like thinking that we're all like ideal, perfect beings at the center of us, he says, uh, there's a good guy and a bad guy in all of us. But knowing that doesn't ever need to overwhelm us. Whatever we adults can do to help ourselves and anybody else discover that that's true can really make a difference in this life. So he's actually advocating for people to recognize that there's darkness in them. Interesting. Yeah. It's so hard to disagree with this guy. You know, we Aaron posted a thread about Mr. Rogers and DC2, which is a, a group that we're admins in that contains a very diverse group of basically trolls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'd th say that's the number one defining quality of the group is, is, a, is a kind of viciousness and a... Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's, it's a weird oscillation between viciousness and like camaraderie. But there's super right wing people in there, you know, super left wing people in there. There's communists, social Democrats, paleo conservatives, um, literal fascists, yeah, <laughs> fascistic people. But when asked about Mr. Rogers, they all agreed he was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we got a couple like very half hearted. Someone said, like, he's, yeah, he's great. He's a little bit bourgeois, liberal, reformist. Yeah, guess guess what their disposition was. <laughs> <laughs> bourgeois, liberal, reformist. But even that person who said that was like, but yeah, no, like, he's awesome. I feel like it was one of the first things in the group that everyone really came together on other than like perfunctory things like it's bad to murder babies or something like this was something like specific and I was searching for problems with Mr. Rogers because I was like I want to and if we're going to do an episode on I got to bring him up but just nobody had any 
it's just it doesn't work because he's saying something that's that's true and matches your experience and other than like really trying to play pedantic games but even then he's pretty well protected against these pedantic games yeah yeah he's <laughs> he talks about that that he spends a lot of time making what he's saying as simple as possible and i think in doing so he boils it down to such a crisp little statement like a, this small little understanding that it becomes impossible to deny Welcome to Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. Full support behind North Korea, glorious DPRK, standing up against the United States and Western imperialism. Kim Jong-un is my hero. Uh, what? There's like major human rights abuses in North Korea. They treat their citizens really poorly. Why would you support them they're a totalitarian regime a dynastic monarchy wow seems like you got brainwashed by the cia why don't you go swallow some more propaganda watch some vice news documentaries and completely ignore the glorious communist society that has been created in north korea your racist mind just can't comprehend the idea that asian people have self-determination can you you anarchy you bernie sanders you you killed rosa luxembourg you will be the first up against the wall, fucking liberal. I'm a bit of a slow typer. Hi there, neighbors. It's very dramatic when two people come together to work something out. It's easy to take a gun and annihilate your opposition. But what's really exciting to me is to see people with differing views come together and finally respect each other. Wow, nailed it, Mr. Rogers. I definitely think it's possible there might be positive sides to North Korea that I'm not aware of. I'd be interested to learn about them. And I definitely, definitely agree that America shouldn't unduly provoke or cause conflict with North Korea for nation building. That, 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 that's an abhorrent idea. I'm totally opposed to that. Yeah, I mean, I also think Mr. Rogers nailed it. And it's really, it's great to hear you say that about American imperialism. I feel really validated by that. And like you're willing to hear about the positive aspects of North Korea, I think I'd also be open to learning and hearing more about some of the negative aspects of North Korea and acknowledging the ones that uh, do exist. So thanks. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. Looks like my work here is done. I'll just move my cursor up to the corner here and pull down this menu under Fred Rogers and have to hit the logout button now and just move the mouse down here. And I'll just hit this button here and log out. I'll close down Google Chrome and just uh, hit the power button. Turn off this here uh, computer. Now for some silence. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. Welcome back to Hard Questions Short Segment. Today's tough question, what would Mr. Rogers say about September 11th, 2001? Uh, well, even though he died in the early 2000s, he actually did release a statement on this. So oh, shit. I, I know ex exactly what he would say. I know what he did say. He said, if you grew up with our neighborhood, you may remember how we sometimes talked about difficult things. There were days, even beautiful days, that weren't happy. In fact, there were some that were really sad. Well, we've had a lot of days like that lately in our whole world. We've seen what some people do when they don't know anything else to do with their anger. And I know how tough it is some days to look with hope and confidence on the months and years ahead. But I would like to tell you what I often told you when you were much younger. I like you just the way you are. 
And what's more, I'm so grateful to you for helping the children in your life to know that you'll do everything you can to keep them safe. I'm convinced that when we help our children find healthy ways of dealing with their feelings, ways that don't hurt them or anyone else, we're helping to make our world a safer, better place and to help bring healing in many different neighborhoods. It's such a good feeling to know that we're lifelong friends. Shit, that was masterful, Mr. Rogers. You fucking made me believe that was relevant to September 11th. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is it like that attackers didn't like have their feelings listened to enough? And so, I mean, like probably they probably didn't. I mean, it's definitely true about the 9-11 hijackers that they were (laughs) raised in an unhealthy environment that fed them destructive ideas and destructive outlets for their feelings of humiliation. I read this really great article in Cracked where they had an interview with a guy who almost did a school shooting but was caught by the principal Mm. and turned himself in before shooting anyone where they're talking about the psychology of terrorism and mass shooters where it's rooted in isolation and feelings of humiliation, feelings of deprivation. And I feel like Mr. Rogers is the anti-humiliator. He is like the anti Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers would never call someone a loser. He would never say that someone wasn't good enough, no matter what they did, no matter how horrible they were. Like straight up when some people hijacked some planes and threw them into a building, what he had to say was, we need to treat our children better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cause that is what's going to bring about healing in many different neighborhoods. Like he's, he wants to create social situations where people uh, don't need that kind of recognition because they have real recognition and love from the people around them. It's a little bit euphemistic and distant, but it is true that horrifying things like that are a result of people not having healthy outlets for their anger, Mm -hmm. not having productive ways to express their fear and humiliation and, and negative feelings. Yeah. Nailed it, Mr. Rogers. Fucking nailed it. Nailed it, dude. Out of my way. Out of my way. I, I gotta get going. I'm in a rush here. This man seems a little frustrated. Say, who are you? My name is Mohammed Atta. I gotta go somewhere right now. I gotta get on a plane. I'm gonna do a 9 11. Oh. I'm not feeling well. Gonna go do a 9 11? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a terrorist, and you know, today's September 11th, 2001. I'm just heading on the way to the airport now to commit an atrocity that people will remember for a really long time. Oh, when I get angry, sometimes I clench my fists and I feel so mad I could I could fly a plane into a building I could do a 911 that's how I feel oh but before you go Muhammad could I sing a song for you uh yeah okay okay It'll just take sure. one minute what do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could fight when the whole wide world seems so so wrong And nothing you do seems very right It's great to be able to stop When you've planned a thing that's wrong And be able to do something else instead And think this song I can stop when I want to Can stop when I wish Can stop, stop, stop anytime What a good feeling to feel like this And know that the feeling is really mine Know that there's something deep inside That helps us become what we can For a girl can be someday a woman And a boy can be someday a man You're right, Mr. Rogers. This isn't what I should do with the mad that I feel. I can stop anytime, and right now I'm going to stop. That's good. It's more neighborly to not do 9-11. You're right. You're right. I feel like today I, I finally became a man, just like you said. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Some days in our life we're faced with hard choices, whether to stay like a baby or grow up. And you've done a good thing today not doing 9-11. I'm proud of you. 
the only other kind of criticism that came up of him was that he didn't prepare me for the harsh realities of life. Just like he's maybe too sweet. He's not Uh, dealing with... He's coddling the snowflakes by telling them they're special, by by saying that they have value that they should apply themselves (laughs) i have some quotes here to kind of like point out that he wasn't he's not a naive person this is this is my argument i'm making with these next quotes little by little we human beings are confronted with situations that give us more and more clues that we aren't perfect so there you go right there he's just saying you're not perfect you're not a perfect little snowflake yeah and also i like i like the framing of it it's such a friendly, gentle way of describing the human experience of realizing that you've made a mistake or you fucked up, or even not just that you did something wrong once, but that you've got a pattern of behavior that's harmful. Like that's an uncomfortable thing. And then he just phrases it the most gentle way. Like, oh, you got a little hint that you're not perfect <laughs> yeah. from the world. <laughs> Here's one for the revolutionaries. The values that we care about deepest and the movements within society that support those values command our love. When those things that we care about so deeply become endangered, we become enraged. And what a healthy thing that is, for without it we would never stand up and speak out for what we believe in. So Mr. Rogers just full out supporting being enraged. I feel like he has a very healthy idea of anger and emotions in general and dealing with them mm-hmm. it's not just a kind of like oh, they die everything's okay <laughs> it's more like there is no normal life that is free of pain it's the very wrestling with our problems that can be the impetus for growth it's like he took the phrase what doesn't kill you makes you stronger but then rephrased it so it can't be misinterpreted yeah the spirit of the concept of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger but in precise wording that actually says what is meant by it last one on this theme all through our lives there are resignations of wishes as children once we learn to walk we must resign ourselves to not being a baby anymore if we just want to be taken care of and not make any effort to do more and more for ourselves then we can avoid that resignation and just stay a baby you may even know some adults who are still babies even though they're mentally and physically able people They want to be served all the time. How sad for them. Not to have been able to experience the excitement of growing from one part of life into another. So it's just kind of like, like he's, he's taking a bit of a jab at, you know, nobody in particular, but just like some people, some people aren't great. (laughs) Some people are like adult babies who never grew up. And, you know, he's being very compassionate about it at the beginning. Like it's hard going through life. You have to resign yourself to the loss of who you were to grow into the person that you want to become. And that's difficult. And sometimes people just want to hold on to the negative aspect of childhood, which Mm -hmm. is dependence. And what do you call that? Like the assumption that you are to be served, (laughs) which is true for children. They should be served. Genius. Genius stuff, Mr. Rogers. Greatest American poet and philosopher right there. So there's this meditation I once read about. Like, So imagine that you're watching someone struggling to carry their groceries and bring up the feeling of like wanting to help them and like how sincere that is. Like when you imagine seeing someone struggling and then being there to help them and then reflect on that and think about how if you're struggling with your groceries or whatever, other people have that feeling towards you and let that feeling wash over you, which I I really like. That was something that I found really profound when I heard it. And there's this quote by Mr. Rogers that I feel like almost approaches the same kind of emotional feeling behind it. Um, If only you could sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet, how important you can be to people you may never even dream of. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. And I almost feel like that sentence, that concept that he's putting forward, that like everywhere you go, you're leaving imprints and that you're experience had more profound results than you ever get to see yeah yeah reflecting on that idea it it brings up the same kind of inner feeling of warmth the same type of like interpersonal social warmth that comes when you think about your drive to help other people or other people's drive to help you and i just it's such a beautiful concept yeah and i I think it also contemplating the effect that you are going to have an effect you leave something of yourself behind whenever you meet with someone it immediately begs the question of 
what is that effect? Who who were you when you met with that person? How were you being? And what will that effect be? And I think, yeah, just like encouraging consideration of that. Why do you think Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, what does it achieve? What does it accomplish? Oh, I hope that it's given a few more honest adults in the lives of the children who watch. If adults can show what they love in front of kids, there'll be some child who'll say, I'd like to be like that, or I'd like to do that. I remember Yo-Yo Ma being on our program. He's come to visit several times. And there have been families who have written to us to say that their kids want to learn the cello. Right, because they saw Yo-Yo Ma on on the program? Because they saw him love his work on the program. Uh. Oh, I remember in the nursery school where I worked as I was doing my master's work in child development, there was a man who would come every week to sculpt in front of the kids. The director said, I don't want you to teach sculpting. I just want you to do what you do and love it in front of the children. During that year, clay was never used more imaginatively. Mm. So a great gift of any adult to a child, it seems to me, is to love what you do in front of the child. Let them catch the attitude that that's fun. Because you know attitudes are caught, they're not taught. 30 years, what's the legacy for you? You know, I have a little plaque beside my chair upstairs in the office that says, what is essential is invisible to the eye. That may sound like something strange for somebody who works in television, but the older I get, the more important I know that is. Why is it important? Because what we see is rarely what is essential. What's behind your face is what's essential. How many kids do you think are out there? Can you believe it? I just, he's listening to Mr. Rogers again. So loud. It's not, I like Mr. Rogers, but. Yeah, it's, it's loud for sure. It's 11 p.m. at night. He must know that we're trying to sleep. Like, talks about, like, I talk to him all the time. You know, I lend him a cup of sugar, trying to be a good neighbor. It's not considerate. And I'm going to bang on the wall. Oh, no, don't, don't bang on the wall. I'm going to bang on the wall. No, just wait, wait one second, you know. It's okay to be angry, but just just one second. Okay. There's a really good chance. There's a really, really good chance that if he knew the discomfort that he was causing you by listening to the uh, Charlie Rose, Mr. Rogers interview so loud, um, I think he would not hesitate to change what he's doing. He, he, he values us as neighbors. We've always been on good neighborly terms. Um, I'd, I'd say skip the conflict, maybe just go and let them know that, that we need uh, some quiet. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll go knock on his door. I'm banging on the wall like a, having a tantrum. I'm just, we'll go talk about it. Thank you. The music swells. We pan out and see that Mr. Rogers is at his headquarters watching them on closed circuit television, nodding his head. They made the right choice. We now return to Seriously Wrong. So one of the reasons that I really loved going through these Mr. Rogers quote books would I would find these little gems of things like, oh, he he's on the same level that I'm on. <laughs> he's saying things that I already think, things that are not always common sentiments. So one of them is, he quotes someone else, actually. He says, the great poet Rainer Maria Rilke wrote, be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and learn to love the questions themselves. So it's a kind of embracing of ambiguity and uncertainty, which I feel like has been a common theme on our show, a sort of epistemological humbleness of approaching the world. He's also framing it in terms of like advice for a living. Yeah, be patient towards what is unsolved in your heart and learn to love the questions themselves. Uh It's a beautiful phrase. Yeah, you could deliver that advice in a more patronizing way, but he's just perfectly pulled off the subtle. Again, he's quoting a poet, but yeah, I yeah. get yeah, sure. Yeah. He he knew what to recognize. <laughs> he recognized the the good stuff. But uh, he just told me what to do. But I feel totally okay about it. So that's really weird. <laughs> if he just opened that with "you should," like you should, uh, you as should the great be poet patience said. <laughs> towards all that is unsolved in your heart. 
fuck you, alternate universe, Mr. Rogers, who didn't master communication. I reject your wisdom. Luckily, we don't have to deal with that scenario. In order to express our sense of reality, we must use some kind of symbol. Words or notes or shades of paint or television pictures or sculptured forms. None of those symbols or images can ever completely satisfy us because they can never be more than what they are, which is a fragment of a reflection of what we feel reality to be. So to me, when I read that, I see him talking about map versus territory and the different way we map things out. We use words, we paint things, uh, and there's always a loss of resolution there. But that's the only method we have of expressing our subjectivity, our sense of reality. But yeah, something about the idea of it being unsatisfying, like it's, it's, he, he has another quote about this too, about perfectionism and like him working on the show and always having to let go of the perfect episode of Mr. Rogers or the perfect puppet show or the perfect song that he had in his dream or in his heart. Uh, I think this is something a lot of creative people have trouble with, mm-hmm. accepting the loss of this beautiful thing you imagined for the imperfect, but maybe still worthwhile thing that you ended up actually producing. But yeah, the way that ties into the map versus territory symbol thing is like, there's that always that degradation from what you imagine, like the words you want to use, the perfect words that don't exist that you want to use to express your love for someone and the words that actually come out. Mm, And it's kind of like a not hating the good for love of the perfect, especially when you're talking about creativity, when you're talking about producing things, loving the outcome rather than the original aspiration. Mm -hmm. And then this was the last like seriously wrong thought kind of thing I wrote, which was takes a minute to come together, but you'll get it. There would be no art, there would be no science, if human beings had no desire to create. And if we had everything we ever needed or wanted, we would have no reason to create anything. So, at the root of all art and all science, there exists a gap. A gap between what the world is like and what we wish and hope for it to be like. Our unique ways of bridging that gap in each of our lives seems to me to be the essence and reason of human creativity. It's actually an interesting quote because I like there's an allergy followed by utopianism. The allergy is if we had everything we ever needed or wanted, we'd have no reason to create everything, anything, which is uh, like something conservatives say against providing a universal basic outcome or providing services for people like, oh, if we just give everyone everything they want, they won't work mm-hmm. hard anymore. But what he's saying is not like, oh, this is an excuse to deny people health care. This is an excuse to deny people basic human services. He's saying that always is there. That gap is always there between the imperfect reality now and the imagined perfect world that you want to go towards. And that structure of having that thing that you're aiming at and each of us having our unique ways of bridging that gap the impetus for human creativity. So it's, it's the, it's the reason to move forward is to have that goal and the gap of the, but the gap is actually a good thing. The gap between where we are now and where we want to go, because that's the reason to move forward. It's a philosophically dense quote. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot conceptually going on there in describing humanity's relationship to the universe he's made really really grand claims about the human experience and not only that he's made grand claims about the human experience that i have a hard time even making a hypothetical argument against (laughs) right like how (laughs) like how how do we not accept mr rogers as the new jesus like the new (laughs) i mean like perfect man the perfect historical genius that you listen to every word of and repeat as gospel (laughs) like why didn't we do that are we just getting started on that yeah yeah i think we're we're the beginning we're the paul uh to his jesus is that paul paul's the one right who's on the road to damascus yeah saul his name was saul and he changed his name to paul it's paul i know this I'm a Bible. I'm a good Bible boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bad Bible boy. <laughs> bad Bible boy. <laughs> we're we're Paul. We're gonna bring the Gospels. We're like the ones who popularize Jesus after his death. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> casting it myself as biblical character. We now return to the neighborhood of make believe, where the Mister Rogers proletariat army is preparing for the uprising against King Friday. Left, 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 right, 
the uh, troops are looking good. Yeah, yeah, it's good to get the whole the whole cadre together here. Yeah, it's really great to see everyone coming together, training for the Leninist Rogersist revolution. Mm-hmm. But we got to take wait. down King Friday. It's out yeah. of control. Yeah, off with his head. <laughs> and I think the only people who are more annoying than the royal family and is their fellow travelers. You know, people. Oh, who the collaborationists. Claim, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I support Mr. Rogers' thought. I think like Mr. Rogers, and then they're going to extend neighborliness to the people who are dominating and oppressing you. Do they think that King Friday thinks that they're his neighbor? No, he's no. he's up in his castle. Prince Tuesday, Queen Saturday, mm. he doesn't give a shit. They know who their neighbors are over there. I wish we could yeah. say the same. <sighs> Fucking anarcho-neighborist kitties. They yeah. they don't know what's going on. Liberals. Just liberals. Let's just yeah. call them liberals. That's yeah. what they are. What they are. Yeah. I'm sure little by little they're going to be confronted with situations that give them clues that their interpretation of Mr. Rogers isn't perfect. I mean, not yeah. like ours. I think for them, unfortunately, they come a little too late. Yeah, the thing they don't understand is that love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun, like struggle. A real struggle for the soul of the neighborhood of make-believe yeah. is an act of love. Yeah. And I think in that same sense, it's an act of love to exclude people who claim to be neighborly, people who claim to understand Mr. Rogers, but who ultimately make more misery, make the world less neighborly, yeah. and ultimately empower those who would like to end neighborliness. Yeah, they're big babies. They never had the experience of growing from one stage of life to the next. They're adults who just want to be served, and like, how sad for them, yes, of course, but... You know, no normal life is free of pain, and I feel like we should kill them. And there's no should or should not when it comes to having feelings, as Mr. Rogers would say. Yeah, I just need to go pick up our new outfits for the team. We've yeah, got this yeah, because really, we're all, all going to wear the same outfit after the rev. We've got this great blue hat blue. and sweater vest combo for all of us. And <laughs> Well, that's a joke, right? We're getting yellow, right? I mean, like Mr. Rogers would have wanted. No, no, it's the order's already in. Uh, uh, this was decided ooh. on weeks ago, based on By a who? close reading from Mr. Rogers from the Central Committee. Mm, I, I don't think, think we're the there. No, the Central Committee would never have signed off on this. Mr. Rogers clearly would prefer a yellow suit. Why do you say that? That makes no sense. I mean, have you read The World According to Mr. Rogers? <laughs> yes. Well, it doesn't yes. seem like you have. It, listen, have you listened to 21 Best Songs from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the audio yeah. CD? Yeah, more That's times than you have. That's cute. That's not true. Way more He's times than out, you have. He outlines pretty clear the preference for blue. Mm. Um, yeah. And are we having a factional split? Is this... Well, I mean, if you're not going to shape up and get in line with Mr. Rogers' thought, we might have to have a factional split. Think about how many times he wore a yellow sweater in the show. He was always putting on a yellow sweater. It's actually sickening. It's it's really sickening that your irrational hatred of blue, which is a Mr. Rogers endorsed mm, color. No. Will the uprising be successful? Will those damn liberal anarcho-neighborists get in the way? And what color shirts will we wear in the future Mr. Rogers utopia? Find out later in the episode. Welcome to Nailed It or Not, the game in which the wrong boys rank quotes on whether or not the author totally nailed it. Ooh, I love this game. Ooh, let's go. Okay, let's get ready. You got Here's, a quote? Yeah, number one. Uh, this is a quote from Mr. Fred Rogers. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. Yeah, nailed it. Fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> totally nailed it. Uh, here, I got one. It's actually from Fred Rogers. He's a children's show okay. host. Said, what makes the difference between wishing and realizing our wishes? Lots of things, of course, but the main one, I think, is whether or not we link our wishes to active work. And when we're working towards the realization of our wishes, some of our greatest strengths come from the encouragement of people who care about us. I would say... Mm. Nailed it, dude. Nailed it. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, Fred. Ding, 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 ding. Nailed it. Here's another quote. This quote is actually from Mr. Rogers. Oh, I love Mr. Rogers. He says, who we are in the present includes who we are in the past. Simple. To the point. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it, Mr. Rogers. Thank (laughs) you for that one. That wisdom. Ooh, well, that was a very nail-heavy uh, segment of... uh, Okay, okay. Just one more quote. One, One more. One more nailed it or not. This quote is actually from Fred 
Rogers. No, Fred Rogers. Nice. He says, when I say that it's you that I like, I'm talking about that part of you that knows life as far more than anything you could ever see or hear or touch. That deep part of you that allows you to stand for those things without which humankind cannot survive. Love that conquers hate, peace that rises triumphant over war, and justice that proves more powerful than greed. Oh, man. Fucking nailed that one. Nailed it. Straight up, nailed it. Yeah, that's like that's that's a great quote. Like nailed nailed it. it. Nailed it. (laughs) This has been nailed it or not, a reoccurring sketch on Seriously Wrong. I want to test the strength of Mister Rogers' ideas here. Like, can you hit me with some quotes? that are potentially at odds with my worldview. I feel like you're just cherry picking Mr. Rogers quotes that everyone will obviously agree with. Hit yeah, with yeah. that challenging stuff, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I got a couple here. I do. I do have a couple. And these are the most challenging quotes you could find from him. Yeah. These were the ones that I felt like would be the hardest to easily see fit into seriously wrong thought. Eric Erickson, this is a quote by him, Eric Erickson, a psychologist whose insight into human development has been an important foundation for our work here in the neighborhood, said that tradition is to human beings what instinct is to animals. Imagine the chaos if animals lost their instincts. So it would be if humans were to lose all their traditions. The study of history helps keep traditions alive. When we study how our ancestors dealt with challenges, we can hopefully learn from their successes and failures and fashion our responses to challenges in even more naturally human ways. So, you know, he's saying traditionalism is good. Gay marriage is bad. I hate (laughs) trans people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, but the he nuclear does, family. Uh, yeah, it, 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 but it reminds like that, yeah, that's it, that's that's the allergy. That's the yeah, like. Th- that's the reason why it's yeah. challenging. But the, he's got he covers the ground too well for me to really disagree. Mm-hmm. Especially when he brings it around at the end. You know the challenges of the past and connecting it to the present. Just that's some wise, true shit. Although, like, I do have some tendencies against tradition, but probably more specifically just the culture around hardcore traditionalists. Yeah, the specific issues on which people who identify as traditionalists tend to pin that on. Yeah. Two things about this is that, one, I don't think that anyone thinks we should eliminate all tradition. I mean, like, maybe Mao. Like, (laughs) there's some people who support the Cultural Revolution and, like, just deleting all the past. But... I think most people who are critical of traditionalists aren't critical of taking wisdom from tradition, but are critical of a blind, and just because we did something in the past, that's obviously the best way forever. And that's that. Yeah. And I think the metaphor of traditions as instinct is actually really fertile ground, very fecund metaphor, because animal instincts can also, in certain contexts, no longer serve them where a mouse has an instinct to get the cheese from the the mousetrap. That's the tradition. That's the baked-in mouse tradition that usually works when you find... Cheese, it's good to eat it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But in the modern context, sometimes your instincts can lead you to death. And that would be the critical anti-tradition angle on the blind adherence to tradition, which I feel like our our good friend, our neighbor, Mr. Rogers, has has left room for that. He's saying there's information there. There's information in looking at how people dealt with things in the past, their successes and failures and learning from that. So that's a lot of room for interpretation. That's room for active engagement of the people who are alive now with those traditions, not just accepting the tradition as given. The other one I have is about competition. And he says, competition, it's a word that makes many of us very edgy. It's a situation that we have probably been living with since we were very small. For some people, competition is a thrill, a stimulation, a challenge. For others, it's a source of sadness and anger and apprehension. For still others, it's a mixture of all those things. It's not possible to go through life without competing. As one woman told me, competition is a part of our everyday life, whether we're competing for a job or on the soccer field or for love. There are many kinds of competition, to be sure, but I think that love does have something to do with all of them. In fact, I believe that if we've ever wanted someone's love, then we've known what competition really means. So yeah, in leftist land, like competition is a very dirty word. It's like, that's one of the many bad aspects of capitalism. It makes people compete rather than 
cooperate mm. and it's wasteful it's destructive it's harmful and it's also it's one of those concepts that gets dirtied by association when the most fervent admirers of competition are such slime balls <laughs> uh <laughs> And using it again in very specific ways to justify very specific cruelties. kinds of competition cruelties. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like he's specifically tying it to love, not just that like you're competing against all other potential suitors for the love of someone that for your beloved, for the love of your beloved. Someone tell Mr. Rogers that I'm polyamorous and he should try it because it's better. <laughs> No competition in polyamorous relationships. He, he does say that, but but he says there's many kinds of competition. And I think love has something to do with all of them, which is an interesting statement. But this isn't quite in there. But what I get out of that is the examples he used competing for a job or on the soccer field. Like you do those things because this job might be the thing I really want to do. Like it's the same thing on the soccer field, like your love of the game. Everyone's on that field because they love soccer, not because they hate the other team so much. I mean, like that might be part of it, but it's not the essence of what's going on there. The essence of what's going on there is that we all agreed to play soccer. We came here together because we're all doing this thing we love together. And it involves this play of competition. Yes. But like the, it's a quote that if it came to me in the context of an internet debate with someone that I disliked, it would be so allergy triggering. I would just have so much to say. Yeah. But when Mr. Rogers says it, I'm like, yeah, there is always competition. You're right, Mr. <laughs> Rogers. There's always competition in the sense that certain things are always going to be zero sum. You know, there's always vans only have seven seats. Not everyone can ride shotgun. <laughs> and if you're doing any sort of measurement at all, Someone runs faster, someone runs slower. Someone's taller, someone's less tall. You don't need to be vicious about it. You should always be gentle like Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. But if you're calling that a competition, it's always there. It's always present in some way, especially in the context where there legitimately is something that's zero sum. Yeah. Like, and, and I think this goes back to the preparing people for harsh realities kind of thing. In a, in a way, he's, he's just saying like, it's, it's going to happen. You have to compete for things. Like this is how the world works. And maybe it's better to think of it as a labor of love rather than as a, like this terribly unfair anxiety apprehension thing. Like not that those are bad to have anxiety or sadness and apprehension about it, but it's also a thrill. It's also a stimulation. It's also a challenge. Mm. And I have total confidence that Fred Rogers would criticize the same things about competitions that I would. Some of the vicious, unnecessarily divisive or negative side effects of a curdled competition, a competition mm -hmm. with, with social unease in it are absolutely worthy of condemnation. But at the end of the day, only one person can ride shotgun and... Are we going to be good sports? Yeah. Are we yeah, going to yeah, be good definitely. neighbors? Yeah. I think Mr. Rogers would say yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we should. John, John, come in here. Come in here right now. Yeah, Dad? Did you hit your sister? It, she said that you hit her. Yeah. You know she's smaller than you, right? You can't You can't go around just hitting she, people. She, she was... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she was doing. You can't hit your sister. It's never... Oh, my God. Okay, just I'm go Go to your room right I'm now. No I'm toys. Uh, I'm sorry. sit. We'll talk later. Just go. Go to your room. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. Oh, I was so hard on him. But I can't believe he hit her. But, yeah, I'm the adult. I'm the one who shouldn't be losing my temper with him. I should... I should know better than this. Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers. How are you doing, Michael? It's been a while since you came by the neighborhood. I'm not doing too good. I'm not doing too good, Mr. Rogers. I just yelled at my son. How do you do it? I wish I was like you. I want to be patient and quiet and even-tempered and always speak respectfully to my kids, but it just isn't my personality. I lose my patience and I scream at them. I want to change. I want to change from being an impatient person to a patient person, from an angry person to a gentle one, like you. Well, Michael, just as it takes time for children to understand what real love is, it takes time for parents to understand that being always patient, quiet, even-tempered, 
and respectful isn't necessarily what good parents are. In fact, parents help children by expressing a wide range of feelings, including appropriate anger. All children need to see that the adults in their lives can feel anger and not hurt themselves or anyone else when they feel that way. You're a good dad, Michael. Wow. I never thought about it that way. John, 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 can you get back in here? I need, I need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dad. You know, son, I'm, I'm sorry for yelling at you earlier. Um, I got angry because I really don't like it when you hurt your sister. That's not okay. But you know, we, we both need to deal with our anger and express our anger to each other. I, I hope that you can find a better outlet for your anger in the future. And when I'm angry at you, I'll, I'll try to be more productive in how I express that as well. I'm sorry, Dad. I don't want to hit my sister. And you know, you know I would never hit you, no matter how angry I got, right? <laughs> it's okay to be angry, but we don't hit, okay? I don't hit you, I'm way bigger than you, and you don't hit your sister because you're bigger than her. Okay, okay, good. Now go... Tell her you're sorry, and then maybe you can play a game together. I love you. I love you too, son. Looks like my work here is done. Oh, where did he go? <laughs> Where'd he go? <sighs> Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and... and- being a neighbor, what does it mean to be a neighbor? I feel like it's so brilliant in a way. Like, I guess it's got a biblical root, like... Love thy neighbor kind of thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that he was a Christian, but like a neighbor is someone who's nearby you by circumstance rather than like a familial connection. They're not a friend. They're not a relative. They're just another person who falls outside of these typical spheres of concern. Right, right, right. So then to focus his political and social philosophy on neighborliness, which is intrinsic to all of his work. So brilliant. You know, what it reminds me of is the two things that pop to mind for me when I think of neighbors. Well, three, the first one is Mr. Rogers. <laughs> the second one, as you pointed out, is the Bible, Jesus, love thy neighbor. The third one is Ned Flanders. And all three of those are just these like really kind, like neighborliness has such an association for me with yeah, I guess unconditional positive regard, even though like that's not baked into neighborliness. Like you can have neighbors you hate, but they're talking about the the ideal of being a good neighbor, mm-hmm. what it is being to be neighborly rather than just a neighbor. Yeah. Sorry, well, you just kind of blew my mind. I never, ever thought before about Flanders being a neighbor and also like Homer always treats him like shit, but he's always just nice in return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's neighborly. Homer's not. Yeah. Ned (laughs) Flanders loves his neighbor, which is Homer, who's a notoriously shitty neighbor. (laughs) <laughs> and he's Christian. I've never, I never pieced that together until. Yeah, neighbor, neighbors. Now, actually, what's popping to mind for me is Tim Allen. What the fuck is that show? Home Improvement. Yeah, and Wilson peeking over the fence. And yeah, but they're always advice. like, "Hey, neighbor," and they're like having their conversations, and it's just this like really wholesome neighborliness brings to mind such a wholesome vibe of like world peace. <laughs> <laughs> is is when the world learns to live as neighbors. There's this meme around the bookchin groups calling social ecology neighbor science. And I fucking love it. It like it really I think about it just like Right. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I just the science of neighborliness is one of the concepts in play when you're talking about the the sphere of social ecology, the leftist school of thought out of Murray Bookchin that yeah, we've talked yeah. about before. Neighbor science. Because I feel like Mr. Rogers was a social ecologist, but in the sense that he was thinking about the ecology of social interactions, like the environment of how we treat each other, the environment of the society in which children grow up in. How do we treat children? How do we give them the space to thrive maximally? The ecology of interpersonal interactions, like the environment of that. Which is something that Papa Bookchin has been criticized for is his his lack of tending to the interpersonal relationships, the polemics. (laughs) His lack of neighborliness to some of the people he was engaging in intellectual discussion with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I almost want to say that Mr. Rogers is a key thinker in utopian social ecology. I mean, that's redundant because all social ecologists are by definition utopian, but 
that, that specific attention to the ecology of interpersonal interactions is something that I feel like Mr. Rogers really spent his life focused on. And there's so much great wisdom here on this. Yeah. Neighbor science. Neighbor science. Has a whole new dimension to its meaning when you think about it in terms of Rogers. Children are lively enough and small enough to do a lot of things. But nobody is small enough to go down a bathroom drain. You know that, don't you? When I was a very little boy, I used to watch the water rushing down the drain, and I used to wonder what might go with the water. But even then, as little as I was, I couldn't go with the water down the drain. Nobody can do that. Everybody's much too big for that. Got a call, noise complaint. Yeah, we got some teens who are listening to their Mr. Rogers a little too loud, having one too many drinks, maybe doing some drugs. It's uh, damn some, shame. Something damn we gotta shame. deal with. See it too often around here. Please open Kids, up. You open, open up. up. What are you doing? Can never go down. Can never go down. Can never go down. That is. Got complaints from four of our neighbors. Is that really the neighborly thing to do? You want to turn that down? Okay, good. Good. All right. Yeah, you kids are all right. You're not abusing drugs in here, are you? Just a little bit of pot. Just a little bit of pot. You're not using that as an escape, right? Because you know we care about you. We want you to succeed in this world, and we believe in you. We will work as hard as we possibly can to help you kids realize what's special about you and bring that gift to the world, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we, we want to help you uh, all develop what makes you unique. If you ever need help doing that, just call 911. That's what we're here for. Give you some words of affirmation, help you move, whatever. Yeah. Okay, you have a good night now, okay? Have a good night, and uh, enjoy Mr. Rogers. Great man. Uh, also, we got some extra fries. You want some? go down the drain. You can never go down the drain. And now we're back to the end of the show because you've already been listening for over an hour. And I'm sure you're about ready to hang up <laughs> the old earbuds. And uh, Yeah, some people are probably like, no, no, I don't want it to end. I want to hear more about Mr. Rogers. And, you know, hopefully we'll revisit him again in the future. I'm sure Mr. Rogers will be popping up. But yeah, it's such a, it's such a good feeling to know you're alive that you're happy and singing inside and it's a brand new day. I don't, I don't actually know all the lyrics, but thank you for listening to the show. If you have any feedback, we have a contact form on our website. If you like the show, we accept donations on Patreon and uh, we have bonus episodes up for people who listen to that. There's going to be a new bonus episode this week uh, coming out after this one. So yeah, for six bucks a month, you can help us keep making this show Uh, as good as it can be and as often as possible. And it's a huge help. So thank you all for listening. Bless you. Bless Mr. Rogers. It is you that I like. It is you that I like. It's a good feeling when you're able to find people who like to play the kinds of things you like to play. That's one thing that helps to make friends. Playing together. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new. And I'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will, too. You always make each day such a special day. You know how. By just your being you. Only one person in the whole world like you. That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. We now return to the neighborhood of make-believe, six months after the brutal decapitation of the royal family and the degradation of Mr. Rogers' proletarian army into six separate warring factions. <coughs> you okay, man? You okay? Oh, man, this, this 
smoke inhalation. Yeah, it's not good. It's <sighs> not good. Oh, just smoke. Oh. After we kill all these yellow shirts and then, you know, move on to the green and purples, uh, oh the, the reds God. aren't very strong, so. Oh, this just... war is going on too long. No, I know. We gotta I get... lost my wife. Oh. I lost my kids. I don't know how much more of this I can take. They, they died for a greater cause. It's not so bad. <sighs> Call me crazy, man, but really at this point, we've really worked out the majority of our differences. The one exception is color of vest. Yeah, it's an important one, though. Is it? You've read The World According to Mr. Rogers, right? Of course. Okay. Probably more times than you. Well, that's cute. But, you know, transitions are always a sign of growth. And to get somewhere new, you have to leave somewhere else behind. <laughs> we Look, killed I'm... the king. That's great. Now we just got to destroy all the other factions. Look, I'm a blue vest. I know to you my are. heart. But the question I have is, what's all this fighting doing for neighborliness? Is shooting at yellow vests, shooting at green vests, shooting at orange vests? And those people aren't our neighbors. What definition of neighbor are you using? Because what they are, are neighboring... What is this liberal talking points you're I'm bringing up here? I'm just saying, if we, we all support Mr. Rogers' thought, we yeah. all want to overthrow the king, we all want to we start did. a we, new we neighborhood We overthrow together. the king. Yeah, so let's... Why at this point, why are we shooting at each other? I mean... Sure color. Jesus, what is this shit? I think you got to get out of here. All right, I guess. I mean, what colors are left? I'm, I'll be, I'll be teal. Maybe you should get out of here before I shoot you. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Because we're old friends. Neighborly. Because much? we're yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Mr. Rogers said, it's easy to take a gun and annihilate your enemy. Well, he did say that. I'm going get my teal vest. Ah, eight factions now. Jeez. Oh my God, it's Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. How is this possible? Hi there, neighbors. Mr. Rogers, can you settle this for us? I mean, should we be fighting this war, this factionalist war? Now I want to tell you a little story. One time, Mr. McFeely and I had a big disagreement about which color of vest to wear. And we were so angry at each other. I almost got an AK-47 and went to People's War with him. But then we realized that if you actually read my word in the book, The World According to Mr. Rogers, my position is very clear that blue vests are correct. Told you. I knew oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> Teal. Sorry, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> nah, that's okay. Teal is pretty close to blue. But a funny thing about forgiveness is sometimes it's easier to forgive your enemies, the yellow pigs instead of your friends, your blue-vested friends here. Now, I don't want to see any more splitting or factionalism here. I just want to see you all united in destroying and exterminating the yellow-vested pigs. Yeah, you're right, Mr. Rogers. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. I'm sorry for fighting with him. I, I don't know what got over me. I think I was just missing my dead wife and son. Yeah, I forgive you. I forgive you. Even though you're my friend and it's a little harder than it would be otherwise. But I, 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 You know what? I forgive you, too. Uh, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but I appreciate it. He didn't do anything wrong. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. I guess I mean to say I forgive myself. I forgive myself for making that mistake. All right, now pick up your weapons and go to war. We'll do, Mr. Rogers. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks, stopping Mr. Rogers. by. Let's go shoot some yellow-vested scum. Looks like my work here is done. And because the blue team finally came together as true neighbors and had unity, they were able to defeat the yellow-vested dogs and all the other colors and take control of the neighborhood of make-believe where they instituted a utopian, Rogersist, Leninist society for all of eternity. The end. Next time on Seriously Wrong, Aaron and Sean go looking for the helpers. Where did they get to? Where did this thing little helpers get oh, to? Oh, there's one over there behind the counter. <laughs> hey, you come back here. Come, ah, <laughs> those helpers. <laughs> Where did they get to? They're probably off helping someone. Oh, we got to catch them. Always looking for them. Hey, 